Hello and welcome to episode two of the series where myself and my two guests will be covering the England vs Pakistan Test Series. I'm delighted to be joined once again by Dan Davis and Dan Whiting for today's show. Um, so if we jump straight into it, Dan Whiting, um, firstly, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm avoiding the snow here in London, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm good and uh, I'm recovering from that rather tight finish, which I'm sure we'll come on to later in the podcast. Yes, very, uh, very good to get you over Zoom, despite the snow, which we haven't quite had here in Cardiff. But um, so just firstly, I mean, how would you sum up the game? A 26 run win. We thought it probably, um, well, when it came down to the fourth innings, it had the credentials for that kind of spectacle finish. But when it came down to the wire, it seemed they were going to run away with it. And a, another turnaround from Stokes's men. Yeah, definitely. It started on the, the first day. It was baseball again, wasn't it? 281 off just 51 overs. And England don't hang around. Ben Duckett, uh, yes, at the top of the order there, 63 or 49 balls. Ollie Pope, a runner ball, 60 as well. And then Mark Wood came in lower down the order. And uh, Ben Duckett surprised me a little bit. He's, he's had a, a good series and I've been very impressed with him. I, I mean, I don't know about you. How do you feel, Dan? Yeah, I didn't really expect him to be picked. And then when he did, I was quite surprised because I've always viewed him as more of a short-form player. But I suppose with Basball, it gives these guys an opportunity to play test cricket. Um, I saw Jason Roy had his chance a few years ago, so it's worth giving these people a go. Um, and yeah, he's done really well. He scored two 50s in this game. He did well in the last game, so can't really complain about him at the minute. Yeah, yeah no. Sorry, Sorry go on. Um yeah, you said about basketball there, 281 in the 50 overs. Just to add on to that uh, with my kind of stats, which I added last week, I'll throw one in there for you. Um, well, two actually go hand in hand, so we can talk about the contrast there. So um, obviously, Abra Ahmed will come on to. Um, first FIFA before lunch on day one since Alf Valentine in 1950. Um, and it was also the most runs scored ever before lunch on day one, 180. Impressive stuff, Blake. You are you're the stato of this show, it's got to be said. And uh, no, it's fantastic. But Abra Ahmed, I just sort of want to come on to him because I was I was impressed with him as well. I think he's uh, he doesn't bowl much rubbish. He, he's there on the money all the time. He doesn't sort of drop it short. Uh, he's got a good googly and the look on Ben Stokes' face as he foxed him and uh, got one that turned from outside his leg stump and took the top of off. And, uh, it's a beautiful googly. I thought they read him a little bit better in the second innings, but watching them in the first innings, they were they were struggling to read him, and uh, it was like a dyslexic with war and peace. Well, it was it was a it was a, a match that provided plenty of uh, great wicket taking deliveries, wasn't it? I mean, you mentioned the one to Stokes there, and then a couple uh, later on, Robinson and Anderson. In I have in mind with Babrazam and Mohammad Rizwan. Um, so, Dan Davis, um, how did you think uh, England sat at the end of day one? Obviously, Dan Whiting touched upon the, the speed of the run score. And did you think Abra Ahmed um, was going to look to cause problems throughout the, the next four days? Yeah, I was quite nervous having watched the highlights at the end of the first day and having caught some of it. I thought it was um, pretty an amazing start to his career. I think he picked up five wickets pretty quickly. And I kind of thought we were in a bit of trouble here. I know we scored very quickly and I think we ended 
281. Pakistan finished the day on 200, sorry, 107 for two. So they were actually going pretty well. So at the end of the first day, I thought we could have a, a really good game here. Um, and they're going to have to avoid the weather. I remember reading before the game, there was all the stuff about misty storms and stuff. So it would have to be uh, attacking cricket. And I think it shaped that. It looked that way after the end of day one. Yeah, and I suppose while we're kind of still on the early stages of the game, Dan Whiting, what did you make of the selection? Obviously, for England, no folks, but kind of more notably for Pakistan, I think, keeping Zahid and also bringing Nawaz in. Did you feel that was an effective move? Um, yeah, I did. I mean, I, I thought that they were going to have changes anyway. I think that they looked at the pitch at Moulton. I was surprised in the way the pitch played, actually, because I thought I was expecting a belting batting track. We saw, I mean, I remember Verenda Sewag scoring a load there a few years back. He got 300 on it and uh, got the nickname of the Sultan of Moulton. Um, and I, I thought it'd be a better batting track than it actually was. They obviously took turn and, um, you know, I think sort of Pakistan uh, picked their side accordingly. Um, we, You know, they've sort of been hit by injuries as well. Their trinity of quicks, um, Shaheen Shah Afridi obviously pulled up at the T20 World Cup. Uh, um, Harris Ralph in the last game uh, pulled up, didn't he? And uh, I think Nassim Shah... You know, maybe they sort of just rested him and, and sort of looked at the rotation, perhaps. So, um, you know, I think sort of they're, they're really missing their sort of trinity of quicks, Pakistan, but take nothing away from England. And Dan Davis, do you feel, um, like Dan White mentioned there, with the, the lack of a seam attack, and Nawaz hasn't played test cricket for a while, did you feel that he offered a bit more control to allow Abra Ahmed to take wickets at the other end? Yeah, I mean, going back to Zahid playing, I was quite surprised he stayed in. And he sort of, I didn't think he was too affected. I think he kind of cleaned up the table, the tail a couple of times. And then I think it was all about Abra Ahmed, really. I don't know as did well, but I think it was mostly Abra's, Abra's test match. I think he's got a very bright future in the game. He looked really good, that googly. As Dan said earlier, the look on Ben Stokes' face when he was bold. It was at a golf ball. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it was all about him. But, yeah, Nawaz did quite well. Um, but, yeah, exactly take nothing away from England because they did play very well and they did play very good attacking cricket. So if we move on to the Pakistan first innings then, gents, um, obviously England bowled out within day one, uh, as we've mentioned, quite quickly. Um, a bit of a different tactic going with uh, Jack Leach as opposed to Ollie Robinson. Um, with the new ball, Dan Davis. Uh, what did you make of that? Um, I was quite surprised. I wasn't too in favour of it, but actually it worked out really well. He did pick up four for 98 in the innings, so it worked out and it was a decent start. I mean, Pakistan did make a good start, to be fair. They, en they ended the day on 107 for two. Um, and they looked they looked good for it, actually. Um, they weren't too challenged. I know... Um, Leach did pick up the one wicket and then Anderson got the other one. Um, but yeah, at the end of the first day, I thought, well, maybe it wasn't the wisest choice. But I think over the course of the game, it sort of worked out and the spin was in the pitch and it did work. So Dan Whiting, do you feel uh, it's fair to say that Pakistan were probably in the better position at the end of day one and 
does does that show that they're a bit more prone to a collapse perhaps yeah they are they are what were they about 100 odd for two at the end of day one weren't they i was surprised ollie robinson didn't really see the you know the the, the new ball because I thought he um, played such a big part in that fourth innings at Raul Pindy. I was surprised that we didn't see uh, him open the bowling. But they gave it to Jack Leach. I thought Leach, I wouldn't say he was innocuous, but um, he didn't get the purchase out of the pitch that maybe Abra Ahmed did for, for Pakistan, did he? So, um, you know, I think he, uh, but they were going along serenely, weren't they? They were 142 for, for two. And then Robinson got Baba, and the rest just collapsed. And it goes to show, you open the door to this Pakistan middle order and then to their tail, and they can um, disintegrate quite quickly, can't they? Yeah, I think, I mean, it looked a bit strange, really. To, uh, 202 all out, it looked a bit like a, a one-day scorecard with the kind of, you know, a 75, a 63, and a 20, and then a lot of single figures um, in that sense. I think Shaquille's got a um, get note for, well, obviously is is ninety four in the second innings, but sixty three as well. But yeah, as you mentioned there, him and Azam, um, when uh, when they both went, it seemed to all tumble from there. And uh, Leach got his fourth, which in, uh, his hundredth Test wicket was included in that. Joining uh, here's another stat for you, Dan. Thirteen others um, to get a to get hundred Test wickets for England in this century. Oh, oh, that would be a good quiz question. Yes, uh, it's on the BBC actually. I did it the other day. I missed. Uh, I missed one. I won't say who because otherwise you might want to give it a go. Um, moving on to the <laughs> third innings, then um, the game poised. We had a seventy-nine run lead. Um, Dan Davis, Harry Brook, once again, two centuries in back-to-back uh, -back tests. I mean, he's got to be a star, isn't he? Yeah, he's quite frightening we were just reading about him before the podcast and i've got a fact of my own that harry brooks middle name is actually cherrington i don't know where that comes from um but they... i can tell you i can tell you where that comes from because we yeah we, we did it on commentary last year and we were sort of quite surprised because you know for a yorkshire lad it's quite a posh name isn't it but it's an old family name apparently so uh yeah there you go you know, I think it was his grandfather's family name, so that's where it comes from. But it's, it sounds frightfully posh. This is more than a cricket podcast. It's an educational, <laughs> educational show as well. Yeah, Dan, yeah. would you like to continue? Well, hopefully someday we'll have um, Harry Cherrington Brook up there alongside Alistair Cook and Joe Root and Andrew Strauss and all these England greats as the highest run scorers this country's ever had because on current form, he does look astonishing. He's averaging, I think, about 75 now over his three tests. I know he hasn't got out. Sorry, he's only played a few games. Um, but yeah, long may it continue because he's an answer we've needed for a long time to a few batting issues. And he can score quickly as well and he can slow it down too on that second innings. We did slow down to a more regular test pace. It was like watching old test cricket where people weren't scoring a run of ball. <laughs> so yeah, it's good to watch. It's really great. And it's really entertaining too. Yeah, Dan Whiting, I think one thing that was notable was, um, I think you mentioned in the last episode last week as well, actually, how, you know, he doesn't really look to slog the ball. And um, I think a lot of pundits picked up um, from his innings in the, in the second innings, uh, how just how well he picked up the kind of slightly short of a length from the spin A, played the pull shot particularly well. Um, and yeah, at number five, he kind of adds that stability while 
going at a strike rate of 80 or more. I mean, um, how, how did you make it? Yeah, I mean, I I, th I think he I think he's going to be as good as Joe Root. I really do. I think he and that's a massive accolade to put on a, a young man's shoulders. But I really think he's got that potential. He doesn't look like he's slogging, but he still scores quickly. In the same way as Joe Root, they accumulate runs quickly. Um, but England only went on at four point two four run rate in that uh, in that second innings of theirs, which is it's quite pedestrian by baseball standards, isn't it? I, you know, it's like watching Chris Tavare back in the old days. But no, I think it's fantastic. I like Harry Brook or Harry Cherrington Brook, as he will forever be called on this podcast now. And uh, I, you know, I thought he was uh, he he actually ensured that England set you know, what was an imposing total. And his knock in the context of the game, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, but it was crucial to the outcome of the game. Uh, yeah, another notable um, thing from the third innings, Duckett made another good score, 79. Let's hope he can uh, push on to another century. Um, we kept Abra slightly more at bay, picking up just four this time. Um but for Pakistan, 20 wickets, uh, oh, sorry, 18 wickets with spin and two runouts um, in the match. Were you expecting that, Dan Davis? Be bearing in mind how it was our seamers who actually... Yeah, them. well, when it came into the fourth innings, I I was stunned because the seamers seemed to bowl really well. And I thought, well, why couldn't Pakistan seamers do this? They were totally reliant on Abra and even Zahid, who we now got waxed last week. I know he kind of cleaned up the tail a bit, but he still picked up six wickets over the game to go with Abra's 11. Abra also got one of those runouts, which is, I was quite frightened of him. I think he can be a serious player. But yeah, I just thought their seamers would do so much more given that ball that Jimmy Anderson bowls to Balrazam. And uh, same with that Ollie Robinson one later on in the day, on day four. I just don't know why they couldn't get anything out of the pitch. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you've brought us brilliantly on to day four here. So, Dan Whiting, just firstly, um, did you have any thoughts to add on the, the Pakistan seamers' lack of success? Um, not really, but I, I just want to go back to Abra, actually, and it reminds me of a wonderful quote from when we toured Pakistan back in the 1980s. And they had a, a leg spinner at the time called Abdul Qadir, who was the absolute master. Shane Warne said that he learned a hell of a lot from Abdul Qadir. And... Uh, he, he tied England up in absolute knots. And Vic Marks, who's now on TMS and a very uh, learned man, went to Oxford University, uh, couldn't read him at all. And someone said, I don't know what read, uh, Marks read at Oxford, but it certainly wasn't leg spin. So there you go. There's the quote from that. Um, and that's all I've got to say on that, really. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, Dan <laughs> Davis, you led us um, quite well onto, onto the fourth innings here. So um, England... Uh, making 275, um, and by day four, it looked like we were going to have uh, the end of the end of the test match um, with a day to go, which we obviously did see. England setting 355, um, a good start with a changed um, opening pair. Rizwan stepped up for for Imam at the top of the order, and uh, Shafiq added to a, a good stand there. Dan Davis, did you think Pakistan were? The favourites going into day four? I actually did. It was finally poised. They were on 198 for four. And I thought it was sort of turn on the start of the day. And they made a really, really good start to day four. Um, I think, or did they finish up on? I think they got to about 290 for six. 
Uh, and at that point, I was quite concerned because Shaquille was still in. And that was when Nawaz got out there with 296. Shaquille was still going strong. He was on 94. I thought if he can stick about for a bit, they're going to win this game. And then thankfully, a couple of overs later, Mark would have had him strangled down the leg side. What you make of the catch, I, I don't know. I, I think it was a catch, but lots of people can argue that it was grounded. But it went all the way. And I think that was the moment where, where the game turned, really. Yeah, Dan Whiting, what was your thoughts on the, the controversial catch? I mean, Mark Wood will touch upon uh, with his brilliant spell of, of quick bowling, but that catch, a massive turning point. Yeah, it was a huge turning point. I, I mean, again, you can't tell. Uh, you know, I think also when things are slowed down, they look worse than they actually are. So you, you really can't tell. But I think after the, the weekend that England have had in all sport in officialdom, you know, I think it's about time we had a the rub of the green when it comes to referees or umpires or, or whatever. So, uh, you know, it, it swings and roundabouts. But, I mean, I, I you just can't tell. You just cannot tell from your TV screen. Yeah, um, I think what you said there is perfectly put. Um, when it's slowed down, I think it does make it look a lot worse. And you you see it in football as well, if we go off, off on a tangent here, but you see it in football with the, the slowed down tackle always makes it look 10 times worse than it was. Um, yeah, so Mark Wood said uh, he didn't feel he'd have much to do in the fourth innings. And he came in, took fourth, and then... Uh, Obviously, towards the end, Ollie Robinson um, picking up that final wicket just when they were looking to have some stubbornness about them. Dan Davis, did you think, uh, well, did you think Robinson's final wicket summed up Stokes' captaincy to get us this series win? Yeah. Do you know what? It, it really did. I, it's just been a great series. I think Stokes has made all the right choices, all the brave calls. I was reading earlier in the week an article in the one of the newspapers and it said Ben Stokes had said something along the lines of like the calls he's making aren't anywhere near as drastic as he's willing to go. He said something about there may come a day when I declare without even batting. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think he's just been a great captain for this side. And um, I think we'll do really well under him. Dan Whiting. Yeah. Eight wins from nine now. Um, I think this is only the third time we've accomplished this feat since uh, in the last 50 years, I think. Um, so something else I wanted to touch on too, because I've got another stat to link into it. Um, Joe Root seemed to bowl a lot more overs um, in the absence of Stokes resting his knee. Um, do you see that as an effective um, method going forward? Uh, on subcontinental pitches, yes. On other pitches around the world, probably no. Uh, I think... Uh, Joe Rue is now, he's, he's not a million miles away from being a genuine all-rounder, is he? Uh, he bowled 21 overs in that fourth innings, got one for 65, which is, is quite respectable and adds a, a good backup to Jack Leach as well. Between them, they got through 47 overs, throwing four from Will Jacks as well. And that's over 50 overs there bowled by the spinners. So, you know, you, you can see with the pitches there that they are conducive to spin and Joe Root will come in as the third spinner. I think moving forward, I think if they were going to drop anyone, uh, it would probably be Jax, and Joe Root would probably come in as the, the second spinner, perhaps. I don't know, but uh, who knows what's in their thinking. But going back to what Dan said there, uh, you know, I can only confirm Ben Stokes. What a wonderful captain. He's in a innovative, 
He's, uh, he's full of ideas. He's full of different sort of thoughts. And England are playing at the tempo that they want to play. And there's not a lot that Pakistan can do about them. Yeah, it feels, uh, what you said there, with um, the subcontinental pitches. Um, I think the way I see it is Leach um, is, despite the way he's being used, um, I think left-arm spinners in Test cricket are generally used uh, for defence and um, to contain. And I think Root adds a really um, kind of attacking option because he bowls quick and flat and he'll, he's not afraid to go round the wicket and try to get catches around the bat. So uh, He's got a good bouncer on him as well, hasn't he now? Yes. <laughs> they put a helmet on when he comes on. Yeah, and uh, he is becoming a genuine all-rounder because he has 50 test wickets now. Um, and Dan Whiting, I feel you might have a go at getting this. The third, uh, he's become only the third player to score 10,000 test runs and take 50 wickets. Can you get the other two? Ooh, 10,000 test runs. I mean, that's quite a lot because not many people have done that. Um, Cook wouldn't have got 10,000. Did Gooch get 50? Oh, I don't think Gooch would have got 50 test wickets. Uh, is this English or, or all no, round? All, all, all round. Ah. Okay. I think I can get one of them. Go on. I think surely Jack Callis. Jack. Yeah, Callis got to be out there. And... I reckon Sachin might have got 50 test wickets. Ah, see, that was my initial thought when I found this stat. Sachin took 46. Oh, it's okay. Steve Ward. Oh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he bowled a bit in his early career. He bowled quite a bit when we went out there in 86, 87, when we won under Mike Gatting. And Steve Ward bowled quite a bit, but he didn't tend to bowl too much towards the, the latter stage of his career. But great question, that. Great quiz question. Yeah, so Root has uh, actually kind of turned himself into that all-rounder and hopefully will continue to offer support for Leach, who I think had a relatively successful tour. Um, so if we come on to the last test, obviously it's a, a slight dead rubber. It'd be nice to get a win, but with the series already wrapped up and um, nothing to play for in the World Test Championship from our point of view, um, I think the, the big question's got to be Rian Ahmed, hasn't it? After seeing Abrar Ahmed... Um, perform so well. Dan Davis, would you like to see the 18-year-old? I would, but I also think it would be quite harsh to drop these seams after the game they've just had. Although, thinking about it, James Anderson was the second-choice bowler on the the Pakistan second innings, and I kind of wonder whether he could maybe do with the rest, given he's... We don't know how much more we've got from him. Um, so maybe we could bring him in for, for James Anderson, considering he's not bowling with the new ball is obviously what he's used to doing. Um, but maybe we want to win the Series 3-0. Maybe we don't make too many changes. We'll have to see. Maybe Ben Folks as well. I don't know what will happen with him. I thought he was surely going to come in for this game, and I was pretty surprised he didn't. But maybe he'll get a chance in, this, in the third test. Yeah, Dan Whiting, I'm sure you mentioned last week that you were expecting uh, Ben Folks to play. Um, yeah. do, do you see both him and Rian coming in for, for the final test? And like Dan touched upon there, uh, a seamer coming out? Yeah, I, um, I see folks coming in, um, as I said, possibly for maybe Will Jacks. But this is test cricket, you know, and I know they play a lot these days, but it's not a... There are no sort of 
uh, exhibition games or anything like that. This is test cricket. There are world uh, test championship points at stake here. So I wouldn't mess around too much. And if we can win 3-0 out there, I think winning becomes a habit. And I would, you know, I would just go for the 3-0. And that would be, uh, that would give them so much confidence going into New Zealand away, which I think is in February. Uh, which will be very different conditions, but you know, winning becomes a habit. And once you get on a roll like that, you know, as you mentioned, I think it's eight out of nine now. Um, you know, you, you don't want to start losing that streak just by messing around with your side. So I would stay with the same, sort of more or less the same side. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you for your thoughts, gentlemen. That's all we have time for. Um, so thank you for joining me, and uh, it's been a great series. I hope we. Uh, can all agree on that and hopefully next week we get another thriller and uh, as you said there hopefully Kang um, make it 3-0 so uh, yes join us next week where we'll review the third test and we'll look forward to um, future series for England hopefully we can make this a habit and do these for um, more test tours in which we play so well, thank you gentlemen for joining me and uh, thank you for listening and it's goodbye from me goodbye from me and goodbye from me goodbye from me